0: You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to Screen Heroes. My name is Ray, and my two co hosts and I were just having a really great conversation about dogs and. Yeah, you know, maybe we'll do a dog podcast next. Cause... Our favorite
0: dogs in film,
1: <laughs> dogcast,
2: really enjoyable. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think we should talk more about dogs.
2: I'm fine with it. We'll talk about dogs. Uh,
1: speaking of my two co-hosts, they are both here with me tonight. Ryan, hello, and Derek, hello. How are you, handsome men? I'm
2: all right.
0: I'm all Derek right. has a reco- is in recovery over a little medical issue from earlier. Just, just a day, migraine. Just a I, migraine. I get. Well, that you're that. not supposed to specify because then people are like that. a medical issue.
2: How I don't mysterious. know. Just like I get I get uh, ocular migraines from time to time, and I got one today, and I got over it just in time to do the show. So I'm a little, maybe a little uh, strained, but I'll yeah. be all right. We
0: I mean, also realize
2: that nobody's going to watch this live
0: tonight because uh, there's other stuff. There's going going some on. other there's things very happening very in the very world. Important.
1: Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we... if you don't join us. Then we completely understand if you do. You know, um, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate it. As always, we love you. We all got out and did our civic duty. I hope you did too. It's it's part of the, you know, citizenship deal. That's yeah. that's what you get to do. Got to do. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So
0: that's nice work, Rachel. <laughs>
1: you know guys
0: <laughs> seamless transition
1: i'm only like a four <laughs> like let's face it <laughs> wow all right um weekend box office bohemian rhapsody the movie that we are here to talk about tonight killed it like took number one uh nutcracker in the four realms took number two but That's out there was a huge <laughs> difference between the two films like pretty big and the new uh tiffany haddish film apparently she's in every film this year she has one release every month uh nobody's fool took third so decent box office for the first week in november still not a huge weekend but Bohemian rhapsody killed it
2: yeah 50 million dollars um over the weekend which is great and yeah You know, I mean, when you're comparing... So you have one movie that is about one of the greatest bands of all time and one of the greatest vocalists of all time going up against a weird... Dark gritty version of the Nutcracker that probably nobody asked for, but a lot of us will end up seeing anyway.
0: (laughs) You say us, does that mean you guys are gonna go see it? Ray and I are probably gonna see it. It's one of my favorite fairy
1: tales, and I honestly have been wanting Disney to adapt it for a long time. My hope had been back in the 90s, they did a hand drawn animation. I thought it would lend itself more to that. You oh. could be more magical with it. And they were having really great songs. They had already done a Tchaikovsky ballet before in Sleeping Beauty. So that just didn't happen. Um, weird, gritty, uh, Wasteland dream, like, live adaptation with Kira Knightley talking... Like, she has some sort of nasal issue, and so that's what we're getting, and I'm going to see it, because I'm a sucker for punishment. And you're going to
0: see it for the same price as you would
2: not see it, so... Yeah, Yeah, right, well. yeah, exactly. My mom wants to see it, so I think we're going to take her to go see it, so...
1: Yeah. A lot of news. A
2: lot of news. A
1: lot of news. I'm not going to get to all the news. Going to skip over some stuff. Uh, mainly, I'm going to skip over the daredevils viewership down and that's because i think i want to dedicate a full episode to what's going on with netflix marvel and maybe we could just have a shit talking episode where we break down the problems in uh how how these studios can screw up the art sometimes so you know gonna skip over that uh ewan mcgregor was cast as the black mask in the birds of prey was that
0: official or was that rumor
1: I don't know cuz I f-
0: feel like the article I saw said that it was still like a rumor not I just confirmed. go off
1: of what the articles you guys send me so that's what gotcha. I type. I'm if that's the casting I'm really happy with it I mean it. It. it
0: seemed like it's a pretty good chance based on the article if, yeah. if I read it correctly right, right. but it I don't think it's been confirmed yet but okay. I like the casting so like Elon, I like and I like and McGregor although it's, I I never really pictured him as Black Matt
1: yeah.
2: but sure I mean, he could wear a mask just like everybody else, so. He, I mean, he was just Christopher Robbins. Now he's going to the other end of the spectrum, I guess, so. Um,
1: Which I'm okay with.
2: Yeah, I mean, his schedule freed up since they're not doing the Obi-Wan movie now. I'm, I'm kidding. They, that hadn't actually been a thing, but, <laughs> you know. Gate. Um, yeah. Ta-da-da.
1: yeah.
0: They're doing reshoots. You know what that means. It's going to be the worst movie ever. <laughs> the worst. DC's failing. Headline, headline.
1: Every superhero movie every major blockbuster has had reshoots there's a reason why they film the Avatar movie is back to back clearly you don't understand around. it
0: Rachel it's because it's going to be the worst movie ever you know what I heard Joss Whedon is directing them
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I mean reshoots it's a pretty normal thing in film th- these days uh, especially because you know studios want to be involved and, yeah. and they're not going to waste their time being on set that would be weird right um but uh yeah yeah, basically don't worry
0: about it it's a thing
2: it it doesn't hopefully this is them filming henry cavill's cameo um the only thing that great the only dc news that is kind of concerning is i guess projections for opening of aquaman are down but i guess that's not surprising considering that would be the effect of justice league the previous film in the franchise so and also
0: there's a feeling of meh among pretty much everybody that i've talked to about aquaman coming out nobody seems all that excited for it that's you know, a casual DC movie fan that I've
2: talked to. Yeah. I mean, this is nothing against Jason Momoa, because if anything, he's made the character more interesting. But of like the founding members of the Justice League, he's probably the one I'm least interested in.
1: Yeah. You know, I agree. So. He's they've reinvented him pretty well from the Arthur Curry I've read to the Arthur Curry we see on screen, which honestly the damage that Super Friends did to that character still permeates most people's perception of Aquaman, so if this is what they have to do, go for it. I'm on board. We're gonna see the movie. We're actually going to review it just like we are Bohemian Rhapsody, so you know, we're on board no matter what.
0: It is completely finished too. Bruce right. Swan said. It's you know, done. And so now he just has to keep it away from the studio for the next
2: However long until the movie releases. Like,
1: month and a half?
2: Yeah. It is weird that it's, like, breaking news when a movie is done. Yeah. Like, it's not like this was a secret that was being done and, you know, in hiding and nobody knew the movie was coming down the pipe. Like.
1: Like, 10 Cloverfield Lane.
2: Right. Like, you know, some of these movies just pop up out of nowhere and like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. But, like.
1: But they're never blockbusters. Of course the
2: movie's done at some point. Yeah. I mean, or it doesn't show up in the theaters, right? There so. wasn't enough DC news that week, apparently. Apparently not.
1: Yeah. So in uh, unnecessary sequels and reboots, Gladiator's getting a sequel, Ridley Scott's attached, and Shrek is getting a reboot. So that is unnecessary, and nobody asks for either of these projects.
2: So I'm confused. So I want- these are very different, and I have problems with them because in very different ways so
1: oh my mine's the same <laughs> they're unnecessary
2: well the, the shrek one gets weird and we'll talk i'll talk about that in just a moment but refresh my memory the main two characters in gladiator both die at the end right Nah, it's a reboot so not a sequel oh it's a sequel gladiator oh, i a thought you sequel. said a reboot well the shrek, shrek is shrek, the shrek. reboot gladiator is a sequel but the two main characters died so is this is it a sequel in no, the I sense that decimus meridius Yes. Yeah. Doesn't he die? Yeah, yeah but yeah.
0: I was just wanting to show that I sort of... Oh, okay. Uh,
2: so so is this is this a sequel in the sense that it just takes place after those events with a totally different set of characters? Because I don't... I mean... Maybe it's like Assassin's Creed and like they are going to go into a different gladiator body
0: and... There you go. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I like it. Still work for the yeah. animus. But... <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> it's weird. I mean, if Ridley Scott's attached to it, then there's, there's probably some what? kind of strong story. Okay. Stride.
1: So everybody wants to put Ridley Scott on this pedestal. Ridley Scott's entire catalog is half amazing and half total shit. So, like, I don't know which half this is going to fall on. Gladiator was the amazing one and got the Oscar, but like Gods and Kings Exodus, whatever that was, bad. Alien good. Alien covenant, bad. Like, so...
2: He's kind of the Nicolas Cage of director. (laughs) Except Except that that
0: Nicolas Cage does everything amazingly, so I'm not sure what you mean by that. Even He's his bad, bad stuff, movies,
2: we have fun watching. But he was watching. great in them. Well, yeah, He's but Ridley Scott can't be great in a movie. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about the Shrek one for just a moment here. So Illumination. uh oh, talked enough about it's it for
1: DreamWorks. Us.
2: Right, but the guy who runs Illumination is going to be heading up.
1: He's buying it? Or is Illumination That's doing part, it? I
2: think it? I think they are part of DreamWorks. I didn't know that, uh, but anyway, it's so it's a it's not really a reboot. They want to tell more stories in the Shrek universe with the exact same cast. They just don't want to be tied to what's already happened, which sounds to me more like just lazy movie pitching than anything else but they, they want mike myers and eddie murphy and antonio banderas they want the same voice actors to play the same characters but they don't want to be tied to the events of the previous films
1: all right
2: so i don't know how do you reboot with the same people is that a, is that still a reboot i don't, honestly don't really know what to say so, <laughs> so that one's weird like i don't understand yeah. what to call that but you know I don't know. I think it's strange.
1: It is strange. I'm not entirely sure what happened. Uh, Did they... Did Illumination buy the property from DreamWorks? Because DreamWorks has other things going on right now. They're kind of done with that.
2: I didn't read close enough into it to to see those specifics. When I read that they want to keep the same voice cast, that's where I was like really just confused at that point.
1: Well, I mean, it's not like they don't have the time. Because... What's Mike Myers doing? What is Cameron Diaz Bohemian doing? Bohemian Rhapsody. What is Eddie <laughs> Murphy doing?
0: <laughs> and Dr. Like, Evil political
1: uh, Yeah, that skits. was pretty
2: funny. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to watch it.
1: Oh, um, let's see. Next right, let's up, uh, Andrew Lincoln had his last episode in The Walking Dead. And literally 20 seconds later, they announced that he will be leading three made for tv movies which is kind
0: of a huge spoiler for people that hadn't seen the episode yet so yep. that was really nice thank you amc for that uh, we co- oh i guess they could have been prequel no they couldn't have been prequel because he was sitting in a coma so yeah. until these, zombie apocalypse these are made for tv movies yeah they're gonna air on amc okay yeah.
2: so they're not going in the theaters okay right that's weird
0: yeah that was uh unfortunate for me <laughs> To, to see that, I, I don't watch it live on Sunday night because I don't have AMC, so Not I have to wait until the next day. Do. And uh, less than 24 hours later, I, and it was spoiled to me through many channels. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> so. A ton
1: of people reported it, clickbaity headlines yeah. everywhere.
0: Unavoidable.
1: Mm hmm. That is how. That is a huge reason why I stopped watching The Walking Dead because within moments of the episode airing, I would have it spoiled for me. By so, people
0: on Facebook, not even clickbait headlines necessarily. Yeah, Sometimes it is. It but. started
1: with fans, and then it just ended up being official websites: The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, comic book, movie, like all of them. They do it, so yep. it's very frustrating.
0: It but, didn't yeah. ruin the episode for me, but it did spoil that part of yeah. the episode for me, and that was disheartening. But yeah. one thing they didn't talk about uh, with that uh, that episode it was also Lauren Cohan's last episode, and nobody really made a big deal about that, which is kind of weird for me because she's been in it since season two. She's, she's next to good. next to Andrew Lincoln and uh, Norman Reedus and whoever the lady is that plays Carol. I can't remember her name, but she's been in it the longest, and so yeah. that's a pretty big loss for the show, too. They just haven't renewed her contract yet, so...
2: I mean, as an outsider, someone who's who hasn't watched the show, it does seem really silly that they would hype him leaving the show so much only to basically undercut that within, like, an hour. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? I honestly would have sat on that announcement for about a month.
2: I mean, at least give people a week to watch the episode. Yeah, it doesn't like, take that long. I right. mean, based on the way it
0: happens in the episode, you can tell it's something is gonna happen. And they've all said that that they're trying to the new showrunner has said that she's trying to put together a Walking Dead universe. A, a WDU, I guess it would be. But uh <laughs> so, you know, there this is a good way to do that and there's some other stuff that has happened in some of the shows that's a good way to do that. And I'm actually excited about that. This show's kinda gotten back on track this season with the new showrunner, but it's still
1: it has waves.
0: Yeah, they need to just like tighten the reins on what people are allowed to say. That's fair. And what, and the time frames they're allowed to say it in.
1: Yeah. Then I guess the last piece of news I'm going to talk about today uh, the remake of The Time Machine. This one is actually uh, kind of interesting because Leonardo DiCaprio is attached to Star. And uh, the director, Machete, of it is. Attached to direct at this point, so um, I didn't throw it in with the unnecessary thing earlier because we had we just watched this film a, about a month ago, the original two yeah. months ago, something like that. So, uh, it got a 2005 remake or 2003, 2004, 2005, something like somewhere that, somewhere around there. That's not really. Um, It was underwhelming, but still very beautiful. And a lot of people liked it. A lot of people did not. So I think it's a good story and could use an update. It would be really fun to see. I think it'd be fun to see the time machine now, like in modern times and not set in uh, 18th century or 19th century London. That's just me though.
2: Yeah. I mean, so for people who watch our, uh, Phil our holes review of the 1960 <laughs> time machine. It's one of my favorite, favorite stories, favorite mov- sci-fi movies. Um, I, uh, I would like to see a, a new version of it that sticks close to the novella. You know, um, the original sticks pretty close to it, but doesn't really go all the way with that. And the, uh, early two thousands remake throws most of it out of the window. Not, not all of it. You know, the Morlocks are there. The time machine still is relatively the same object. Um, but I would like to see something that's really close to the novella. Leo Leo's an amazing actor, so you know that's a good start. <laughs> you know, right. uh, it certainly he doesn't attach himself to to bad movies that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is which is good. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that it's happening with him, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. Sounds good. I do want to say
0: episode four of uh, Titans came out this last week and introduced the Doom Patrol, which is another show that's going to be on DC Universe. They were kind of testing the waters with it, and it it was very pleasant. I enjoyed the the introduction to the Doom Patrol, and if you're not watching Titans because you don't have the DC streaming service, then you should definitely torrent it because it's really good. (laughs) We do not... We don't condone that, but we do condone people watching good superhero shows, and I think that's Absolutely. what it is. So, by legal means. <laughs> by whatever means necessary. By legal so, means, right? <laughs> yeah. So please watch it by whatever means, uh, Pirate Bay or DCU streaming no. service. Any of those, message me and I can give you the address. No. Um, DC Universe that's streaming right, service is yes. where you can watch Titans. Yes. There's no Pirate Bays there, so no. don't go to anything like that and
2: search <sighs> Titans. Season one, episode for Doom Patrol. So, you're just recommending they skip the first three episodes?
0: No, you should definitely check out the first three episodes, too.
2: But <laughs> You're confusing me now. I mean, but, you know, story Robot straight.
0: Man and Negative Man and whatever other mans there are in the Doom Patrol are pretty cool. Like so Robin Man.
1: And... It's not enough women.
0: Not enough women. There is one woman, she's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Like that's
0: 50s good. era, like pinup in of modern course. day, but she has kind of a twist to her that's kind of cool. But A anyway. literal
1: twist, like, no. I'm
0: yeah. Potentially. <laughs> if you're familiar with the comics, maybe we'll figure it out. Interesting. It. Interesting.
1: All right. So that is going to do it for news. We're going to take a very, very short break. What? I have fun with it. I get dirty looks from Derek. <laughs> like every time I talk about this silly commercial that we do, and it's not fair. Like you want me to lead the show, I'm leading the show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.
0: Do you like Star Trek? Because over at Red Shirts and Runabouts, part of the Heroes Podcast Network, we absolutely love Star Trek. Join us
2: every week with me, one of your regular hosts, Gregory Bosco, as we talk about your favorite characters, your favorite movies, your favorite episodes. We even respond to some of your comments on Twitter
0: and Facebook, at least those that are appropriate for us to talk about online, every Friday. Red Shirts and Runabouts. See you next week.
1: We're back, everyone. Did you miss us? Probably no. Not. no, okay. That's fine. So, we are here to talk about a uh, movie that debuted this weekend that released, I should say, debuted such weird terms with movies. Uh, we're here to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of confused as to what's
2: happening with Rachel <laughs> tonight. Are you okay?
1: I'm a little drunk. Oh, okay. I'm well, not. I I'm it. not, guys. I'm really not. Uh, really yeah, wouldn't. we're here to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, the biopic... For Freddie Mercury, and uh, starring Rami Malek, quite a few other people. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just I, him on a south stage. I have the cast list here. Uh, first and foremost, what did you guys think of the film overall, Just. Good vibes, bad vibes. Did you enjoy it? Did you not?
2: Well,
0: I think first we should talk about how it's been received on Uh, some of the big sites. No,
2: I think that's important. And so from a spoiler perspective, you know, I mean, it is a biopic, so a lot of you probably know a decent amount about, you know, uh, Freddie Mercury and Queen anyway, but here is your spoiler warning if that's something. If you don't know anything about his life. If that concerns you. So this is your spoiler warning. So yeah. So Ryan, how was it received? It was not received well by critics. Yeah. But
1: yeah.
0: audience audience and critics uh, have much different opinions on this movie. It's I think last time I looked at Ron Tomatoes it was 55% uh, 60. It's at 60 okay, it's now. Going up now.
2: Um, 60 for uh, for critics, 94 for audiences. Yeah. Um, the split's not as severe as Venom, but it is a pretty significant split. That's- on a
0: movie like this, it's a very significant split. I That's feel like because you're talking like superhero movies, sure, like BVS had a big split, but on something like this, you know, I think it's more relevant.
1: It's the the critic the critic reception is disappointing because I like to think that the three of us. Are critics at times, um, but we try to be moviegoers first, fans first, critics second. And you know, no, we've all agreed and said multiple times that no movie is a perfect movie. There's always something you can nitpick, but if the nitpicking takes away from your enjoyment, what's the point? Like. Why are we doing a movie podcast if we hate everything we see?
2: Sure. Um, IMDb has some stuff all over the place. So it has an 8.4 out of 10 on just the regular IMDb. The Metacritic score, on the other hand, is 49, and that's out of 100. Um, and it just as like a couple examples, The Hollywood Reporter gave it a 70, Empire a 60, Slate Magazine a 50, and The Guardian a 40.
0: So if you go and read the reviews, which I did... Not all, not all the way, but the sure. little Rotten Tomato snippets. Um, a lot of the critics' problems with the movie were liberties taken with the source material, and um, you know, it's it's a little embarrassing to say, but I probably don't know as much about Freddie Mercury as I should. And there were things in the movie that I learned that were surprising to me, but there's also a lot of things that I wouldn't know, and a lot of the things they were complaining about were things I wouldn't know. Um, you know, I wasn't really following Queen or Alive for a lot of their reign over the rock world um, but yeah that seems to be the, the consensus and I think critics for some reason maybe it's because they're an older crowd seem to care more about them deviating from the what actually happened in reality and f- making it a more entertaining story for the masses
1: so let me ask you guys this even if we know logically that they couldn't put 15 years because that's what the movie takes place between 1970 and 1985 the libate 15 years and we know they can't shove everything in there do you think they did a disservice to queen or freddie mercury and or
2: well it's it's a complicated question right because it's it's two-pronged it's one can you make a biopic in general because you are trying to fit some type of lifetime into a two-hour film and the other is is it supposed to be the letter of of history because it's not a documentary it's a biopic those yeah. are two different terms for a reason right because um, there are documentary films that are two hours and there's documentaries that are multi-part series this is not a documentary it was never intended to be
0: no this is a movie for mass consumption at movie theaters, you know it's not, and it, it, you don't see a lot of documentaries releasing like nationwide at movie theaters, and there's a reason
2: for that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then when you when you add into the fact that yeah, it covers 15 years, and I mean other biopics cover longer time frames and things like that, but 15 years, even if you, I mean. W- That's a long time. Yeah. Right? A lot of things happened, and it is impossible to make a film that could cover everything over a 15 year span. It's just not possible. So, if you went into the movie under the the belief that somehow this would be A, as historically accurate as possible, and B, a complete account of what happened during that time period, I don't know if you've ever, like, how you're kidding yourself, because that's not what this was supposed to be.
0: I don't know what the specific things that were left out or churched up or whatever you want to call it for the uh, um, for the movie were, so I can't answer to whether what what you just said is actually what they're complaining about specifically. But I, I mean, yeah, I, I think you have to take some liberties with something like that when you're releasing a movie to a mass audience. You know, their his life may have been a lot more depressing than what the movie was, and nobody's going to go pay money to see that.
2: Well, it also has to do with some of the... He did a lot of things uh, that would be considered adult content, right? And when you're doing a a biopic like this, you want to be able to release it to, like you were saying, the mass audiences. Nobody wants to put out an NR rated or an X-rated biopic because AMC is not going to show that. It's not going to make $50 million opening weekend, right? And they want this to be a story for everybody. So they dive into some of the harsher times of his life some of the, the the more depressing aspects of his career but they don't it's not a full-fledged account of it and they're not certainly going to show the more sexual overt sexual and adult content because they don't want to rate it our film
0: i don't think it's really necessary to tell the story and and you know we'll get into that more but i thought that that was a, they handled that in a fairly respectful way i agree that was not offensive to i can't imagine anybody really but um, but anyway, we should probably talk about what we thought of the movie overall. Absolutely. Since we've kind of covered the, you know, critics. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, being, a, I thought I knew a good amount about Framework here, I learned a lot more in this movie. But, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I was very impressed. I don't usually watch, this felt like an Oscar bait type movie to me. And I don't usually go to theaters to see that. I think I love Queen. In yeah. uh, this movie also made me realize how many songs they actually made that impact in my childhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it really, it resonated with me, you know, it was, I thought a good account and did service to
2: uh, the band, as I know them, anyway, mm-hmm. so. How about you, Derek? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. Uh, Queen is, has always been one of my favorite bands of all time. I grew up on it, um, and so it was really cool to see, first off, a movie that has all of that music in it that isn't, like, The Mighty Ducks or something like that, uh, that's a more adult film, um, and... You know, again, I I was not alive during these dates. I was born in 1987, which is two years after where this movie stops. And so I don't know the historical accounts. But if I'm going off of the film, it was cool to see some of the inspirations and how some of these songs came to be and how they might have been pitched or created. It was kind of neat. It was cool to, to see some of that stuff. Uh, the story was really interesting. I learned... Some cool stuff about Freddie. I thought the cast was great. I thought the acting was really good. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the uh, the Live Aid uh, concert at the end of the film, but I thought that was an incredibly impressive uh, film sequence from a from a technical perspective. What that w- took to pull off, I think, is very impressive. She's going to start crying.
1: Yeah, they're looking at me because it's my turn. So I have to be completely honest. I was not expecting the emotional weight this movie was going to hold over me. I didn't realize how much Queen had permeated my life. I had no clue. I always thought that Stan Lee was the most influential figure growing up. But now I'm rethinking it. It might be Freddie Mercury. It might be Queen. Um, uh, um. He just... He meant so much to me and I had no I- idea even. Um, I want to sing because of him. I wasn't afraid to tell my family and friends that... I was bisexual because of him. Um, he is daring and bold but still shy and, I guess, gentle all at the same time. And I had no idea just how important this all was until I was sitting there watching it and I was excited to see it. And then I I was overwhelmed by, like, this wave of sadness that, like, I'm never going to see him perform live I'm never gonna have the chance to meet this person who was so over the top and kind and just a lot of fun and I don't know how else to put it except that like I just identify with this man and his words so often and I didn't even realize it So, the movie was intense for me. It really was. The movie hasn't affected me like this in a really long time. Uh, It was, for being a biopic that went through the years chronologically, it wasn't formulaic. It was, um, it did, it was a Freddie Mercury movie, but it also didn't force Queen to be the background to him, which if... You were alive during his lifetime. Um, The media did. It was all about Freddie Mercury. He was always on the cover of things, and people talked about his lifestyle and his sexuality and everything, of course, but kind of forgot the other wonderful members. And This movie didn't do that, which I thought was really great, too. Um, Pacing was great. Cinematography was really good. The... The wardrobe department did a fantastic job recreating some of these looks, so I was really impressed and definitely one of my favorite films of the year.
0: what Which you think of the director Brian Singer?
1: So that's my number one <laughs> issue is that Brian Singer ended up getting the director's credit when I
2: was
0: going to say he... you're, you're you're giving a lot of praise to a movie and a director that I don't
2: like notoriously. Well, yeah, he was we... fired from yeah. the film
1: though. Yeah.
2: Was he? Yeah. yeah. So he didn't complete the film.
1: Somebody else took over. I'm looking that information A up right now. A good
2: amount of the film was reshot and redone because of him being I, fired. I think I remember some of this controversy. It's It has to do with rules and you know, the, the guilds and all of that about how to, to, to credit somebody appropriately. So you can't just fire somebody in the 11th hour and not credit them for their work. And I don't think this is an example of why that's in place, uh, a more of an unfortunate situation. Yeah. That's ca- a side effect of something that's meant to protect people and their credit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this isn't, this is not really a singer film. His name is there. He gets the credit for it. Um, but his vision for the film was different enough that he was fired from the project, you know? And so that's an important thing I think for people to know. Um, did you find the, because I'm drawing a blank on who replaced him, to be totally honest.
1: Yeah, well, um, I'm still looking.
2: But uh, but yeah, so I mean, you know, there's there's other examples like that. You know, uh, Whedon taking over uh, Justice League, for example, the way the credits work there is complicated, and um, Ron Howard taking over Solo gets complicated, right? There's there's rules about percentage of time, and I, I don't know the exact letter of those of those rules, but um, this was an example of that. So yeah, I was surprised I didn't.
1: Dexter Fletcher was hired to complete the film. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I hadn't
0: realized that Brian St. because all that controversy happened like over a year ago, I'm pretty sure. It's been a
2: while. The movie was delayed.
1: This film has been in the works since 2010. And um, since then, the biggest controversies, it's hot from studio to studio. Sasha Baron Cohen was originally attached to play Freddie Mercury, which I still maintain would have been. A good casting he is a weird guy but he does his acting really well in the movies that he appears in that he's he acts the crap out of it so i'm i think he would have done it justice but for the most part people have wanted to downplay his bisexuality mainly the gay aspects and the aids and uh Brian Singer wanted to do that, too, even though he's a gay man. So I don't understand that at all. So, and that's why the, the three of us were really concerned earlier this year when they had this giant article about it was erasing that or ignoring that. And this film chose not to. I thought it did a really good job of addressing all aspects of his life, even the fact that, you know, he's a person of color. You may not know that. His real name... His birth name is not Freddie Mercury. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Though that was a cool stage name. like Not really stage name. That was a cool name that he gave himself. But... Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of, uh, some of... Some of the critic stuff I've read talks about how it glosses over those parts of his life. And I'm not sure that that's fair. I think critics some of them would have gone into the movie anticipating that because of the drama behind the scenes and were looking for places where they could say they could have gone deeper here or there Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, but they 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 show his bisexuality they show relationships that he has with people they show his drug use they show the the some of the group sex type scenarios that you don't show the actual nothing, right. Right. right but, but yeah. you know i mean the subtext
1: is there like sure. all of us picked up on it
2: it's right? one of those like show don't tell kind of concepts right like you don't actually need to depict a sex scene for you to be able to tell the audience that one is about to happen <laughs> right. right um tv's been able to pull that off for a long time so fade to black Exactly, you yeah. know, and so there was a, there was a lot of that, and you you got to see his isolation, and um, you know, whether that was the Paul character that was helping to isolate Freddie, um, I don't know. Maybe if that's part of the issue, maybe Paul was not the villain the movie painted him to be. I do not know. I know
0: that the uh, they were saying a lot of the dates were issues. The critics were saying that a lot of the dates were not correct, which seems like a weird thing for them to take liberties with. And there weren't a lot of dates in the movie. No, Every so once in a while,
1: a year would pop up in the corner. In it, you know.
0: And then they, I guess Mike Myers' character yeah. uh, was actually like, he's an amalgamation of a lot of different executives for the, from a lot of different record companies. Sure. Rather than being multiple people, they just decided to make him one. And so that
2: character never actually existed in real life. So that actually makes a little bit more sense to me uh, to know that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing because, again, you only have two hours. So do you want to show six scenes with six different people that are basically Well, they could, the have same added, thing? could
0: have added yet another montage, which the movie had quite a few of <laughs> so already. So many But montages. a montage of them getting declined or denied or, you know, mm-hmm. shot down by record companies. I feel like that would have probably been just as good. But I do like Mike Myers, so, you know, I was on board with it. I didn't know that going into the movie either. I learned that after when I started yep. reading reviews. So
1: I had no idea Mike Myers was even in the film till his credit popped up at the very beginning and Derek and I just shared a look like Lord. It was
0: a weird coincidence too, because if you've seen Wayne's World, there's a pretty prominent scene in that movie featuring a
2: featuring a Queen song. So. Yeah, they
1: they have a weird connection which I love.
2: So I'm wondering if that's why he was in it. Because maybe on a personal level he has a strong connection to Queen and their music and therefore he wanted to you know, participate in that
1: Well, um, that movie was responsible for making Bohemian Rhapsody chart again for the third time so it that's pretty cool
2: agreed um, I, I think that making that one character worked well for the narrative that they were trying to show which was that these guys were incredibly unique they had an idea for what they wanted to do and they were going to do it and it was just a matter of who was going to help them do it you know,
1: in the end, if we look at the people from that era, the people that have survived the longest that had the longest staying power were the weirdos. Oh, totally. <laughs> Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and David Bowie and Elton John and Queen, like, all stand out in my heads as giant weirdos who pioneered or did. Things their own way, and maybe there was studio involvement here and there or whatever. But you know, Steppenwolf doesn't have that staying power, and uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive doesn't. So, like, it, Huey
0: Lewis in the news does,
1: uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, I mean but he's that's still, the 80s. He's still doing... I'm, I'm talking about 70s, oh, okay. like, Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I see how it is.
0: Wrong deck. I just want to bring up Huey Lewis, yeah. Lewis in the news, sure, okay. sure. sure.
2: Um, no, I think I think you make a good point. I mean, Queen was incredibly unique, right? That's that's the whole point, right? You can listen to so many different kinds of tracks from them, and that that's what made them so special. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I like these scenes because they're pitching like when they pitch Bohemian Rhapsody, right? It's a six minute song that is insane. They're pitching a six minute song for the radio that's got. An operatic section and all this craziness in it that just never existed in modern popular music before.
1: You look at popular music now, it is still a weird song when you put it up against the formulaic pop music, even the alternative scene. It's still odd. And that's. The
0: alternative scene is formulaic now, too. So, yeah. You know,
2: yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of the, the point, though. That's why in 2018 queen still tours sometimes you know not with
0: freddie mercury obviously not with freddie
2: mercury right but they've had multiple people step in into those shoes because people still want to hear them
1: Mm
2: -hmm. you know um which i think's pretty pretty telling about what they were able to accomplish yeah um and i like that the movie did show that while freddie may have been the voice and maybe he was a little bit more of a driving factor, if you know, if it's maybe it's not 25% across the board, um, everybody had a hand in the music. Everybody was pitching song ideas, pitching riff ideas and concepts, and they used everybody's. You know, the the scene, and we're kind of I'm jumping around a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that song before. I'm going to find that album and listen to it. It has <laughs> a B-side. I don't want to hear it.
2: But like the, the scene later when he comes back and wants their forgiveness and everything like that. Part of the deal is from now on, songs are by Queen. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a big deal because that still isn't a normal thing. Some bands do it. I'm not saying nobody does it, right? But it's still abnormal when the credit is given to the band.
1: Well, look at it. Like, the White Stripes are two people. Or they were. They've since broken up. And all the credit for everything went to Jack White. Like, Meg seriously got nothing. (laughs) Like, they had her sit there and drum her peppermint drum to the beat. And that was it. It's like, so, you know... It's pretty impressive when an entire group gets a credit, and I liked that little addition, whether it's truthful or not. I I didn't go back and look at dates and credits and stuff.
2: No, but I, I, I do remember Queen stuff saying just songs by Queen. You know, there wasn't a name there, whereas the Beatles put their names you knew which songs were paul's versus john's and so (laughs) i mean but you knew and and don't get me wrong for those who are big beatles fans you can tell stylistically which song is whose because they're very different styles but they were credited to the person not the band right right and there was a point where queen didn't do that anymore and i think that's a big deal and i like that that was brought up i was a little
0: disappointed that david bowie only got a name drop And they played Under Pressure and everything, and it was like, that's a huge Bowie song too, you know, it's...
1: I was really hoping we were going to see a Bowie cameo. but we would
0: have heard a casting choice, like, a long time before the movie
2: ever came out. There's no way they could have hid that. That's why part of me feels that maybe the original plan was to have that, and they didn't either, they didn't find the right person, or they didn't feel right replacing him with somebody else. Well, if Um, they
0: started this in 2010, like Rachel said, then they could have planned on actually having bowie in it that's what i'm saying okay
2: and then when that was no longer possible they may there's two possible outcomes there either one they couldn't find anybody they felt was a right fit or they didn't feel right even trying right you know Um, because i mean it took 23 years to get a freddie mercury film You know, um, those were big shoes to fill. Bowies are no smaller, and it's much more recent. Right. So... um,
0: It did give me faith, though, seeing Rami Malek's performance gave me faith that they could possibly do a Bowie biopic, uh, and that not completely turned me off from the idea, because I didn't think that really anybody could perform the way that Freddie Mercury did. Mm And, I mean, they did really, really well, so... Yeah. He
1: has one of the most unique voices. And they do explain that it's because of his forex. And I teeth. had no idea.
0: Yeah. Which is
2: cool. I didn't know if they were gonna like go to that level of detail. And it's kind of an offhanded remark early Well, I we think thought. it would
0: have been kind of turn turnoff for people that aren't as big of Freddie Mercury fans to see this guy with this giant overbite, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie and not have any idea why he has this giant overbite and nobody say anything about it. So I'll just ignore the whole movie. I think that would have been weirder. Fair.
1: <laughs> it was a good way to handle the fact that they skipped over his childhood, going back and reading more about Freddie Mercury's uh, early days like he was really bullied for that because they they didn't just they weren't just protruded like they hung out and he had to grow into it and he got really used to covering it with his lip as well as his hand when he spoke and you know when they fled from Zanzibar to uh, England then his life got a little bit better, but he was still kind of an isolated person. So just that one little throwaway line at the very beginning when he's auditioning for Smile was pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. And the the fact that it did give him extra range because he does have a slightly bigger mouth than the normal person. And that's what makes his vocals pretty impossible to replicate. And like something I paid attention to were all the coaches in the credits. There were seven vocal coaches, four guitarists, two drummers, and uh, three bass coaches. So, you know, they these people might have been dubbed later on. I don't know. I didn't check. but
2: Maybe in some places. They,
1: they truly, like, got the essence of Queen. I felt like I was listening to Queen. Like, that was the closest I was going to see to a Queen concert. and I, <laughs> I thought they did a great job.
2: Yeah, I think you bring up a, a point that kind of shows again, like the scope of the film. Like, we can call it a Freddie Mercury biopic all we want. There's a reason it's called Bohemian Rhapsody and not Freddie Mercury because it's not about Freddie by himself, right? It's about Freddie with the rise and fall of Queen. That's what it's about. And that's why he's more front and center than the rest of the band is. It's a
0: Queen movie, but it's around the point of view of Freddie Mercury. So
2: you're getting his story, but a large portion of that is Queen. It's supposed to be the things that happened in his life that impacted the band. So if something happened that didn't have any impact on the band, they probably left that out of the movie. That's not what it's about. Right. Again, not a documentary. Right. So showing his childhood would not have really done anything to impact the band.
1: Right. Or all of his other odd jobs that he kept, not right. just the airport one.
2: Exactly. Like, you needed to show that he's got something, right? That yeah. wasn't. But what it was wasn't what was important. What was important was that he was seeing these guys play, and he wanted to be a part of that. That's what was important, mm-hmm. right? Um, so... Let's see. We're kind of jumping around a little bit on this one.
1: Yeah, we well, are. Well,
2: I mean, I think it's it's easier to do that when, you know,
0: the story is pretty pretty much out there and everybody kind of knows the story. So we're not really doing anything too, too crazy. Um, I do think that the way they handled uh, his sexuality was really respectful. I, I think the people I talked to... Were, uh, about the movie, were like, well, they didn't really show a bunch of gay sex or anything. I was like, did you expect them to show? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. They didn't why.
1: show a lot of straight sex. Either. Yeah, I mean, like,
2: what? Yeah, it was, so that was, I don't know. It was, uh, I think it, that's part of the problem. Like, why do you have to show it for us as an audience to understand that it happened?
1: Yeah, right. I mean,
2: it was pretty clear to me that it was happening. I
0: think people, I think people were expecting it because of how. Uh, I don't know, how how Freddie Mercury what He was very flamboyant mm-hmm. in the way he acted in his life. And so they just probably expected that that was what his life was, was just a bunch of that. And so maybe... I mean, he died oh, of a sexually Christ. transmitted disease. So, you know, it's, I just think that people assume that that's the majority of his story when it wasn't necessarily you know and,
2: and i mean they did show some of it the they like the, the the big parties that he had and you know the get-togethers that he would
0: him have. grabbing like, some dude's junk randomly the right? people like,
1: leaving the very next day like doing their walks of shame and things like that they showed that and yeah. he really only had one relationship with a woman his entire life and you know mary was a huge part of his life so there was a big focus on her which makes sense considering you know you go back and read and even at the end it was like lifelong friends with mary it's
0: good that you brought up mary because i thought that was one of the most uh, emotionally difficult parts of the movie mm-hmm. um you know seeing her have to deal with confront something that she had known about freddie and then uh deal with him not understanding why he can't still have keep her around yeah and then the scenes with the lamps were very difficult um, emotionally you know seeing him try and signal her with the lamp and then get nothing back you know um, that for somebody who had almost everything going for them in their life and all they wanted was this one thing and they couldn't get that and it just showed how lonely you know it can, it can be at the top and that was definitely a, a, a emotional for me even, I was, I thought that I was, it made me sad,
2: you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, that, that was a really intense situation, right? Um, it, it explored that, you know, he had to come to terms with his bisexuality as well. And she may have even figured it out before him, you know, from the outside. Um, those, those were intense scenes. And I felt like, if that's really how their relationship was and she stuck around through all of that that says a lot about who she is as a person yeah. um, to provide that type of, of support you know i
1: was really happy that she didn't just stick around and be his like spinster friend she moved on with his li- her life and, eventually yeah I mean, it took a lot longer than it probably should have but i see was i very assumed happy that he it. like
0: bought her this house right next to his mm-hmm. and everything so she kind of It feels weird to say she owed him a lot because nobody owes really anybody anything, but she probably felt like, yeah, she owed him a lot. And so, you know, he he picked out ones where he could have his, you know, window, seeing that window and all this other stuff. It's implied. I mean, they don't already say that in the movie. Um, It's not, it's just like coincidence that they just happen to have houses next to each other with windows that can see. That obviously was planned, but...
2: Um, Showing his loneliness was a very big part of the second half of the film. And I think they did a good job of that. Because all the other band members get married. They have kids. And
1: he ostracizes them.
2: He does. Because they are moving on to other things. From a personal perspective, they don't need him. Like they do in the band. The band, they all need each other for the band. All four of them. It works. Queen works because of the four of them. Right. right? That was the whole point. But But on their personal lives... They didn't need him.
1: And he disrespected that relationship that they had. They show him constantly having a diva attitude and, you know, showing up late and uh, kind of trashing the other's ideas and then going solo behind his back, their back. So, you know, they show him professionally ostracized these people not just from a friend like first he does it as a friend and then he does it as a band member so
2: so i will say one one criticism i have is Mm -hmm. the going solo part because they made it such a big deal the first time around when he rejects that and he fires um reed reed thank you um but then it feels like all of a sudden it's a complete 180 and he's gone solo and they didn't really explain that progression very well Uh, Obviously, you know, you can kind of put pieces together yourself and think that Paul manipulated him into that, right? But I feel like that would have been useful to show what was different that time versus the first time.
1: That's a good point.
2: That's all. Because the first time, mean, he was furious about it. Yeah. Just the idea of betraying the band and leaving them behind was, like, one of the because most... He ar- do
1: you want me to break up my family?
2: Yeah, it was, like, the most offensive thing you could have said to him. And then, in what feels like no time, he's done it. And so I would have liked to have, have some more steps in there.
1: Yeah.
0: I think if I had to give another criticism to the movie, um, the biggest part that I probably had a problem with was the Live Aid concert itself um the specifically the shot where it's like coming down from way up above and like going down over the crowds and up to the stage i thought that that looked really cgi and not believable Mm -hmm. at all i thought the people looked super fake and to a certain extent it got better at certain points when it got closer up they were probably using more realistic models of people, but it was like when you were watching or when you play a video game and you look out into the stadium and there's like it's like paper standees of people. Yeah. Um because they don't want to render the entire person. I mean, it was an impressive shot, don't get me wrong, but the I thought the CGI was done very poorly. And in a movie that doesn't have a lot of CGI, it stood out to me as a pretty big negative.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. So when I, earlier when I mentioned the just like the, the technicalities be, uh, behind making the concert, I more meant the on stage stuff. Sure, I wasn't, sure, really wasn't saying that in
0: regards yeah. to what you said.
2: Um, but it is an interesting point though, because you know this type of movie it not being a massive blockbuster. Um, I'm not even sure what kind of budget it had. I was going to look that up real quick to sure, go for it to see um, um,
1: the recreation of Live Aid.
2: was impressive. It a- was, was very, very impressive. Yeah. So 52 million was was the budget. So um, it's already broke
0: it, even after its first weekend. It did, which yeah. is
2: great. Uh, obviously, some movies have had smaller budgets. A Quiet Place, for example, in 2018 had a smaller budget, um, but you know most movies these days have triple that budget. Um, you know, uh, so you know, just as a as a perspective there for, um, <laughs> for for kind of a, a fun comparison on red shirts and runabouts, we we've been reviewing some Star Trek movies. Star Trek Nemesis in two thousand two had a sixty million dollar budget. Yeah, sixteen years ago, uh, which is more like a hundred million dollar budget now, probably. Probably something Not like that. that. You know, so just for some perspective, so you know, when you have um, so many people involved because of the music that's required and things like that, maybe they just didn't have the budget to really render that the way they should have um it probably didn't help uh, saw it on
0: IMAX too I don't know if it, we didn't discuss that whether it released on IMAX or not only on IMAX do you guys know it was not
2: only on IMAX. because okay. um, I only saw... had the
0: option to see it at IMAX at the theater I went to so. we saw
2: it in IMAX but it was not the only option
0: So maybe it looked better in standard it did not look Definitely. good in IMAX in my opinion
2: and I think that's fair um it, it doesn't help them any that they were trying to recreate something that took place, you know, at a time where video technology was still pretty limited and so the references for that aren't great. <laughs>
1: also, the the Live Aid concert is very special and it's important to them as Queen just for Background: The Live Aid concert, uh, when Queen performed, it was considered a turning point for the concert. That whole thing where all of a sudden the donations flooded—it wasn't exactly nobody had donated beforehand, but they really did enliven it. People that were actually there and saw it live still say that Queen was the best part of it. And so. That's because they
0: turned up the mixer
2: for him. Oh, we all yeah. know that now.
1: To eleven, <laughs> I, was like, I was
2: waiting for that to be like so. Be a I, thing. Honestly, well, because I thought so. Okay, so here, so here's my my where my head was for this. Because Freddie was having voice problems, I wasn't quite sure what that slider did, and I thought maybe they were gonna like splice in his singing, so he would be lip syncing.
1: Yeah, no. or like
2: singing on stage, but the, the volume would be such that nobody would be able to hear his real voice at that time. And Obviously, that's not what happened.
1: Vocals under yeah, his control.
2: his voice came back. Um, but, uh, so in chat real quick, Midnight Pearl was, made a comment about what Ryan was saying, like they couldn't do like a drone shot of the crowd. And I, I think that the limitation there was the sheer size. They yeah. Couldn't trying to get, get 150,000 people or yeah. whatever it was. I mean, oh, it's, no, it's, it's, the largest concert, 000, but yeah, it, it was a, a lar- lot. Lar- it's still the largest they, concert of they, all time. They, if they I know had it.
1: shots of real people. So they, they just
2: copy and paste it. They
1: let people come in and see that.
2: So I, I had that thought. There's a shot from the stage. When Freddy's playing uh, and they're looking out under the crowd. And I could have sworn that it was a copy and paste of several groups. Oh, wow. Because I thought... Like, I did that. I, I, yeah. Now, obviously, I saw this once in IMAX. It moved very quickly. I'd like to watch it again where I could slow all that down cuz that's what it felt like in the moment.
1: I swear to god if you need to do that you should do that without me cuz I don't want you to ruin it. I am it. I think the Live Aid
2: I think the Live Aid concert is one of the coolest things I've seen. In... They
1: recreated their entire 20 minute set from start to finish. He like they recreated choreography it, that was pretty impressive. Similar Absolutely. camera shots.
2: My, my 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 critiques have to do with the crowd that no, was watching, which is, if anything, one of the least important parts of the movie, right? So like, I'm just I'm interested in the technical aspects behind recreating it. That's all. Yeah.
0: So I'll say that another problem I think this movie had, which is not actually a problem with the movie, but more of the fact that theaters aren't show weren't showing it. My normal theater I go to didn't have any showings at all. You could not see it there. I had to go to a theater closer to where you guys live, and in there, there was maybe one showing or two showings yeah. a night, and and it was only IMAX. That you was guys our had to go too. to
1: a morning show. Did 9. you go 45. to it's the one close to you? No, here? no, we you had right? to go to uh, the one about twenty thirty minutes.
0: Yeah, and so I mean, it, it I think that really it, they could have made more money. Yeah, with that, and, and then I also so, had somebody behind me when we were waiting in line that went well, it's not going to be as good as A Star is Born. I have AMC Platinum, so I'm going to see them both, but I know it's not going to be as good. And so it's like, okay. There's a
1: huge difference between the two. They're not
0: the same movie. Not no. even
1: close.
2: Not even close. It's just, it movie. was
0: that annoyed me before I even went into the movie, hearing yeah. somebody talk like that. Anyway, so, you were going to say it. So well, story, the,
2: according to Box Office Mojo, it was released in 4,000 theaters, which is a normal number for a blockbuster film. Like the Marvel movies are between 39 and 4,100 usually. So that's So that's weird part. that I couldn't see it at my theater. Yeah. So here's what's interesting about that number. But that number doesn't tell you show times. It just tells you theaters. So what it means is it released everywhere, but theaters were toning down how often they showed it and in what formats they showed it. Because there wasn't like a Dolby option. For example, Fantastic Beasts has Dolby options. And that's that's my favorite way to watch a movie, right? So they showed it in IMAX. I don't even know if it was filmed in IMAX. Um, and they showed it in some other regular time slots in some local theaters. So that number doesn't always represent the whole story, right? Because they clearly were not utilizing their screens to their fullest extent. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, probably,
0: I mean, it, it made pre- impressive money, but I feel like it could have been more impressive with
1: If they made it a little easier. More accessible, yeah. Well, I'm we not would sure have saw it sooner. We had to wait till Sunday morning to see it, so, and we would have seen it earlier if it was... We saw
0: it Friday night, but, I mean, we would have probably seen it Thursday night if it yeah. had been available at my theater, my normal theater, so yes, yeah. a little disappointing.
1: Uh, Midnight Pearl said 9.45 with all the grandma and grandpa's... That's fun fact: li- Literally, when we saw it, <laughs> no, the woman next to me was at least fifty-five plus, and she was just as a hot mess as I was. Like I could hear, her, and the two of us were. Like, Another fun fact: our The lady sniffles. behind me
0: was probably a. Probably a grandma that was saying it's not it's going to be as good as a Star Is Born, but I'm an AMC Platinum member. Blah, 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 like, blah, part blah.
1: of me wants to go rip that person a new one for even drawing the comparison, just because they're two uh, two movies that deal with music. But like, it's just not even worth it. I mean, yeah, A Star
2: Those Is you- Born is the fourth. Incarnation of this story, and it might
0: not be. I mean, and, I don't, I never saw Star is Born, so it's hard look, for me to Star say. Star is but...
2: Born is very good, but if you ask me which one of these movies would I want to watch, you
0: saw yeah. Stars Born? Oh, okay.
2: I, I mean, I love Queen, Queen is amazing. The music itself makes me want to watch Bohemian Rhapsody again, you know, like I just want to listen to the movie again, um, and I
1: think it is just as much Oscar bait as The Star is Born. I think Bradley Cooper deserves at least a couple nominations I mean he might even deserve Best Director we are close to the cutoff time for the Oscars so it could be but I think Rami Malek
0: he's a contender uh,
1: he deserves an Oscar nom for that because you know, critics can say what they want. He did fabulous, and most of the critics said that he had an outstanding performance.
2: He'll be nominated. I, I have no doubt he'll be nominated. I don't think he'll and win. I don't know who else will be up yet, so I'm going to reserve that, because I, they have so many of these more Oscar-baity films that don't get wide releases that I'm like, that when they get nominated, I hadn't even heard of them yet. Yeah. And we try and know what movies are out. Well, uh, so. they mostly
1: release in December. And we'll start seeing them pop up here and there. That's that's when the biggest Oscar bait is. Like, yeah. October's kind of our first taste, and then December's when it really hits.
2: I mean, it's hard to compare those two films. Yeah, they're both musical, but you know, one really focuses... There's a lot on. of
0: music movies
2: out there. Right. I don't
0: understand why you would even draw that comparison.
2: I mean, because they were released so close together, right? Because you want to
0: seem like a smart movie goer to whoever you're going with. That's the only thing I If A a Star Is
2: Born was released in April, no one would be talking about it with Bohemian Rhapsody. That's true. You know, it's just because it was was just released. They were very close together.
1: I will say I'm really impressed with the Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack. They could have just made it, you know, a Queen's greatest hit. And they didn't like it's it's very interesting they put in some of the movie mixes as well as the original songs, so you get some of the fun more montagey stuff that they did and you get things right out of the movie as well as uh the entire live aid concert all in one track so if you wanted to listen to a full 20 minutes you could which is pretty cool as well so they did they did some fun (laughs) stuff with the soundtrack and it is one of the soundtracks that i will be buying
2: so let's see. Um,
1: Letter grade.
2: Do is there, is there anything else you guys want to to touch on? I don't think we've pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, I uh, I just want to say so at the end of the movie, you know, they kind of do the the what happens after the fact kind of thing. And uh, so I didn't know what the time frame was going into the movie. I didn't want any of that information going into it. So I was a little surprised that they um, stopped at the live aid tour, but I guess after watching the movie, That that feels like the organic end to it, right? Because then the rest of it would just kind of be a downer. Right. Uh, So you want to end on the hopeful note, because again, not a documentary. Uh (laughs) He was a very
1: private person. He kept his diagnosis private from most people, but they didn't release any albums after 1990 for a reason, and he did pass in 1991. Um, There's only a couple photos of him during that time where he looked very sickly. So I don't think it would have made it any more powerful of a film to show Rami Malek in emaciated sick makeup. I I think they did a fine job.
2: I agree. And I never noticed. I never bothered to look. But um, I thought it was interesting that the only album Queen ever released after, like an actual studio album, not like a concert album, but an actual studio album after freddie's death only included stuff that freddie had already recorded
1: they never wrote new songs under them, the name queen
2: which i thought was really interesting because mm-hmm. um, you know other bands have have moved on from from band members who have either left or, or things like we're that or
1: passed or um, yeah
2: so i thought that was very interesting that they never did that i assume because they've been touring my entire life with different lead singers that they had continued to put stuff out with those singers and because it wasn't freddie mercury i wasn't particularly interested in hearing that um but now this kind of changes my opinion of the you know the last you know 20 ish years right. of queen so i'm gonna do a little more research into the, all that type of stuff
1: brian may roger taylor and uh their former manager jim beach uh were heavily involved in this film jim beach helped write the film uh as a consultant and on set Brian May and Roger Taylor were often there as creative and musical consultants. So, you know, they...
2: But critics know better about how They, 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 they their lessons. Lessons. So, the, the one thing I did here is this is the movie Queen wants you to see. And I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it because obviously whoever's making the movie, that's the version they wanted you to see. Right? So, it's kind of a nonsensical statement to begin with. But I guess the point they're trying to make is Queen wouldn't go out of their way to make themselves look bad. and. Again, I think that this misses the whole point of the film. Right? It's it's not a documentary, and no one was going out to make a movie that would make anybody look bad. The point was to show a particular point in history for a particular band that was very influential, and I feel like the film does that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how making it grittier or darker does anybody any favors. Right? right? You know, um, if we do- directed by Zack Snyder. I mean, seriously though, right? Like, what's what's the point? What does that do for anybody? You've got A beloved band who has, you know, that's still out there performing for people music that we all grew up loving.
1: Like, how entitled do you have to be to say, I want to see my heroes fail? You want to know what happened in his life? Go read all the biographies that have been written about him. Go watch the interviews with his former bandmates and his family. Go read his Wikipedia. You're not entitled to a movie filled with gay porn, apparently, massive drug use, and a man dying. Like, that's if that's the movie you wanted to see, you're an asshole.
2: (laughs) I just don't think it'd be entertaining. Like, you have to... There's there's storytelling. Their techniques. music is
1: entertaining by itself. Just Absolutely. watching uh, that would have been enough for me, to be honest. But
2: when you when you <laughs> watch the film, you know it starts on an upward tick. The band becomes more and more successful, and they have their big breaks. And then there's some there's some down notes where Freddie goes through the isolation and the drug use and all that type of stuff. And then it goes back and it ends on a on a positive note before they do the what happens later thing. And that's, that's part of the movie making and storytelling process is You keep people interested. You make people happy. They're enjoying themselves up. Oh, you make it really real. You show some of the emotional aspects of it. And let's leave on a high note of something they did. That was positive. I mean, the live aid concert was a big deal. What they did was a positive, good thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any reason not to showcase that. Agreed. So, um, Ryan, any final thoughts on your side? No, I think we pretty much covered
0: everything uh, that I wanted to talk about. I really enjoyed the movie. I don't know. Okay. Are we getting a letter grade? Or sure. Not? I mean, we, we usually do. So. Uh, I'm going to go A minus. I thought it was good. Um, it's not really my type of movie in general, but uh, yeah, there were some te- other than the technical issues that we had talked about, and the one lady behind me that was uh, <laughs> annoying. I think the movie yeah. was pretty good. So
1: I'll, I'll go with a full A. I thought it was well done. Um, yeah, the I didn't notice during those few technical errors. I'll probably notice on a rewatch, and I do intend on rewatching this. I, sure. Uh, there are some emotional um, weighted movies that I won't ever rewatch again. But it was
0: like Logan for me, where I liked the movie, but I'm not going to watch it again. Personally,
2: like I'll listen to their albums. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry between an A and an A minus as well. I really liked it quite a bit. The, the technical errors are, are really just in that that sequence towards the end and it's kind of you know side to the rest of the film but you know for those who listen to the show know I'm pretty critical of that type of thing in a normal in, in, in the average movie that we cover on the show anyway
1: yeah
2: so you know somewhere somewhere in there
1: it was really nice to see a film that differs. A lot from what we usually cover. We usually stick to sci-fi, fantasy, and superhero. So it it's nice to mix things up every once in a while. And originally, it wasn't on the slate. The four of us, um, Ryan and his significant other, like we all caught a movie this summer. We saw the trailer for it, and we were all like, "Let's just go see it together, or review it, or something." Let's let's do this. All all of us looked pumped. We all love the music, so we just were like, "Let's do this." Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why we did it, guys. Every once in a while we can branch out, too. We can. We're cinephiles.
2: And now that we've branched out next week, we're going back to our DCEU, yes. which we've been pitching the last uh, few months here. And people so. are just loving it. Eating it up. we uh, getting so many hits on uh, on the old Twitch front. Next
1: it. week is our Justice League. It is. Uh, I, as always, I'll give you a brief review of our previous film, which was Shazam. And that was kind of cool, because we haven't ever been ahead of film. Yeah. So this this time we're gonna do Shazam, or excuse me, do Justice League. We're gonna be cast, casting some characters as well as bringing in old favorites. So it should be a lot of fun.
2: Um, so we we started with Man of Steel. We did BVS, and then we branched away and did a Justice League Dark film, which led to our Shazam movie. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. So then Justice League. So that's that's what our DCEU currently looks like. Yes. So please join us for that one next week. Um, if you chat with us. Then uh, on Twitch, when we do this live Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 central, you can chat with us. And, you know, um, we Shout appreciate Shout out to Midnight
1: Pearl, who has been talking to us all night.
2: Absolutely. We appreciate any input and feedback, you know, as long as it's relevant to what we're talking about. You know, that's it's really great stuff. So, um, all right. Anything else, guys? No. Nope. I think that's it for us. I think that's it. All right. Ryan, where can people find you? Buster Props. Ray.
1: Oh, Siren Ray. I was waiting for where can people find you. You don't get that. Line. You haven't earned that. (laughs) What's my motivation? (laughs) Uh,
2: And I am the Star Trek Dude. We are the Screen Heroes Podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at Screen Heroes Pod. You can uh, find us at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook twitch and instagram we also have a patreon if you can uh, check that out we have a, an exclusive slack channel the patron lounge on slack where you can top it, it it should be uh where you can talk to all of the hosts on the heroes podcast network about whatever you would like it does not have to be show related
1: we'll give nudes for money
2: i won't Some not us. me you guys. choice choice people will you guys um, will and uh, we also, uh, we actually have a, a, a storefront now on Tee Public,
1: Which is kind of cool. If yeah, you go yeah. to
2: heroespodcast.com, we have a store link right there. And you can get some uh, HPN Brandon merch, which is really cool. We've uh, Like this mug. Like this mug that I, I have here if you're watching this on YouTube or Twitch. Um, and there's, there's t-shirts and there's mugs and there's all this cool stuff. We're going to be adding some more things in the next couple of weeks here. So you can keep an eye out for that. Yep. Otherwise... We'll catch you guys next week. Yeah,
1: next week. Let's do it.
2: All right. Bye, everybody.